It's time for Breaking Bread with Papa. Hey! Don't you know? Hey! No. It's our go. Hey! No. It's time for Breaking Bread with Papa. Hey! Don't you know? Hey! No. It's also a show. Hey. hey! everybody. Welcome to another edition of Breaking Bread with Tom Papa. I'm Tom Papa. How are you? Happy holidays. We can say that now, can't we? That we're past the big fatness of Thanksgiving. I hope it went well for you. Hope you had a good time. My uh, kitchen was popping off. We had a gigantic turkey. Everything went smooth. The only uh, the only flaw I would say was that we went away for a couple of days right after and didn't get to eat any of it. Came back and you look at a bag of turkey and it's like, all right, I guess I can make a sandwich out of this. Oh, but it was good. Hope you're uh, enjoying yourselves. Hope you're uh, eating lots of good things. Even if you're not making good things, you might as well just eat them all. We've got a great show for you today. We have a very funny comedian, Byron Bowers, on the program. He's got a new special streaming on uh, the HBO Max called Spiritual N-Word. Put a little trick in there so certain hosts won't be saying it. (laughs) GGA, which gives it a little softness but spiritual n-word is very funny he's a very funny comedian you're really gonna like the conversation that we had but more than that you should go and check out his special because it is really good really thoughtful and very very funny today's program is brought to you by oh look at this tompapa.com that's exciting uh on the 13th we have the come to papa christmas special at the village underground at the comedy cellar in new york city that's going to be on the 13th um i believe it's up on the website also we've got a bunch of dates coming up Uh, but first uh the netflix special streaming on the netflix what a day the new hour-long special streaming on netflix starting the same day on the 13th that's kind of weird i'll be doing the live come to papa while my thing starts streaming very exciting maybe it's good mojo yeah, it seems good. It'll be the holidays, and you get to watch a new special, and it's going to roll for the next couple of weeks. I think it's good timing. I hope. I think you'll enjoy it. And then um, the big tour, the 2023 tour, is up. We've got Town Hall in New York City. We've got the uh, Paramount in Denver. A whole bunch of shows coming up uh, all through January, February, March. I think we're even out to April and May. So a lot of great dates for the new tour. I can't believe we're already touring a new thing. Very exciting. So go to TomPapa.com and look up all of that good stuff. I am traveling around a lot, going to be doing a lot of promo for the special. So I'm going to be, even though I'm not going to be doing that many live theater dates in through December, I will be cranking out some, uh, some plane trips, which means that the sourdough starters will not be fed as often as I would like. but. I will be back uh, baking like crazy, I think, um, as, as we get closer. So that's just to say that you don't have to put the pressure on yourself to be making all this stuff. You can't just just trot along and eat it all. But I have to say, I will say my uh, early report, I am uh, very conscious that I may double in size this year. I mean, just from Thanksgiving weekend, I literally feel like I may have gained... Um, 
uh, five francs. I would say five francs. And you know Frank Garpug. He weighs about 10 pounds. And I would say I feel like I've gained, yeah, five of those in just four days. Oh, it would be good if you could just take a pill and just completely deflate. You could just eat whatever the hell you want. Just take one pill, squeeze it all out, and keep on going. Like, I want to go up to Vito's Pizza. My parents are in town. I feel like I should be going and doing that. What kind of animal just goes off and eats pizza the day after Thanksgiving weekend? Only a monster. But I am a monster. And I hope you are, too. All right, let's get right to this. This is uh, Byron Bowers. Like I said, the uh, special streaming on the HBO Max. Go check it out and enjoy this conversation. We really get into some cool stuff. He's very funny, uh, very thoughtful, and enjoy. Uh, your special looked li- literally looked like uh, um, uh, like a show. Like I was like, oh, maybe he, maybe he directed and pushed me towards a show that he's doing. I'm in the special, something different. <laughs> I didn't realize that that your uh, your girl was directing it. Oh yeah, yeah. I I realize when you do these things. And I mean, you, you're in this longer than me. Are we on? Yeah, you're on. Are we on? Yeah, you're on. Oh, I couldn't see myself. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, I realize when we do these things that you need someone that truly believes in you and know your strengths. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's been a, a partner of mine, um, you know, for six years now. Bless her soul. Um, so <laughs> she know me probably better than I know myself at this point. Yeah. That's really helpful. Can you, or how are you with her telling you about yourself? Uh, you know, some, at first you fight it and then you have to go sit with it. Because mm-hmm. I'm realizing, oh, this is how I had to go to the man cave and then be like, am I this way? And it's a discovery, you know, mm-hmm. um, because I've been married before. And when she say something that the first wife said, I was like, oh, uh-huh. oh, it's me. Uh-huh. Interesting. So going through that and not having the the the, the most relationship, um, I'm not seasoned in relationships. Yeah, because I didn't date much. Right. It's a thing of like, oh, okay, now it's me. What are we gonna do? Mm-hmm. And then at first, you know, as comedians, we walk around in it. Mm-hmm. We're like this is good. I can make so much material about how how uh, you know pity I am, and you know all these other things you say about me. Uh-huh. And then it's like you know six years in, it's like how does this reflect, uh, you know affect the overall uh, journey that we want to we want to go on? Yeah. How 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 many things was a repeat from your earlier relationship that she pointed out in the new relationship? Was well, it think, like a couple big things? Yeah, I think it's big because if if like my mom wasn't married, so I'm already coming in with no not even seeing what a relationship looks like. Right. And not even knowing what a true partnership is in these things. Um yeah. so it's a lot of patience on her thing. Yeah. On her side, you know, and I'm like, you know, that that wild book that gotta like that stallion that gotta be broken down over a while. Um <laughs> So, and it's like, do I want to be broken down? Mm-hmm. Like, how how deep do I want to go? Um, but I think once we have a common goal, say we have a kid, and you really have to either adapt or, well, I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because, uh, in a way, her directing you in the special and, like, working with you creatively, that's a big 
it's a big step on your part, opening up and letting her into that. Yeah. That's, that's not a small thing. Like we've, I've had kids and I still have, I still have a hard time letting my wife in creatively. Like I trust her, but it, it, and when she says something, she's always right. Like you said earlier, it's like, it's, but I don't see it as right, right off the bat. No. <laughs> and like, you know what I mean? We have all of this stuff together. And yet when soon as she comes in is like, I don't know, you sound like this at this point. I'm like, well, what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's nothing like having that. Dumb, now I know I have the dumb face <laughs> when she's talking to me now. <laughs> and I think the more I, I come in relationships now, like they got the power because I grew up with my mom. Yeah. So to me, a household is already ran by women. Right. By a woman, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, that's one of the reasons my last relationship had problems because my ex, uh, the man runs the relationship, mm-hmm. parts of the relationship that I, didn't, that I didn't know about. Right. Make certain decisions that I didn't know about. Right. So it looked like I didn't care. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I know like, when she do say things and want to be more inclusive, even if you'd be like, hmm, that looks good, and learning how to respond, like, oh, yeah. that, that's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when uh, she first, she'd be like, hey, should I wear this? And I'd be like, I don't give a fuck. Let's just, just close. We going to the store. Right. Just put it on so we can go to the store and come back. But then it's like, oh, I have to be a part of this, this decision making. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's growth. But it is hard because we would beef on set, and I didn't know you couldn't beef with a director, or should I say a female, how it makes her look. Mm-hmm. Until she had to break it down and tell me, like, this is what it look. I have to be in control boss. of 150 people, and when you do this, how it affects everything. So, yeah. Um, it's a lot because, you know, we, we go like, there's two strong-willed people. Yeah. Um, but that can't be done in front of everybody. It, it was we do because mm-hmm. he's a she's a redhead Israeli and I'm a black man from Atlanta. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So it's two like Forget people it. like pop pop pop. You know, so um, <laughs> when that when it happens, like it happens. So uh, it's just it's just learning how to communicate better. Yeah, it's really good just to start off the whole conversation your special is really good thank you it really is it's and i was thinking the cool thing about it is you're you're talking about some heavy stuff at times like there's some really deep things that you're talking about your dad your own journey culture kind of opening up to the universe yep the way you the great way at the end of the set with your mom um and those seem like just saying them out loud, like they're kind of big, heavy things. But you do it in such your your way on stage doesn't change when you're talking about that or you're doing the jokes. Like it's you kind of it's almost like a spoonful of sugar kind of effect. Oh, that's good. You know what I mean? Like it's not like let's stop down and do a one man show. It's you're just funny and you got this nice way about you. And then all of a sudden these things come in and it makes you actually, as someone who's watching it, it lingers with you. It, it like, I want to know more about you and your dad and all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And it, 
and it's a it's an unusual thing to be able to do comedically were you did it take you a while to be able to talk about that stuff yeah as you were um, working it out well even my first two jokes got booed right when i started and i got booed for for months really six months and then i realized to this day i tell the same jokes it just took 16 years to learn how to tell the jokes mm. um and the, you've been in show business a while so you know the the ups and downs that come with it mm-hmm. so every down to me once i made it past every down i was stronger uh-huh so it's the downs that allow me and, the, and you realize the way we look at failure mm-hmm. is is different and um just my education in life and being in la leaving home and sleeping outside being stripped of everything even the regional jokes mm-hmm. the comedy store stripped me from the regional jokes and living in my car stripped me from what people think mm-hmm. about me because i already left home and they was like you shouldn't leave home and uh-huh. i'm out here so it's the it's the stripping down and getting to the to your essence and then building up from there even when i started i went to montreal and everybody seemed like they was tap dancing for the audience and i felt bad uh-huh i called that my prior moment yeah and then i just started talking about slavery right there mm-hmm. for new faces oh really and then i came back to la and then the clubs was like yo we like this other byron we don't like this edgy dark and i was and uh, uh-huh. i was like i can't perform here I need to go find myself, so to speak. Really? That's yeah. it's pretty it's pretty ballsy at that moment because new faces from Montreal for our listeners, I mean that's kind of that's kind of a lot of people's first break. And yeah. It's like, okay, we're gonna let you we're gonna there's a doorway through comedy that can get you into the rest of show business and this is one of them. So for you to be in that to make that decision to change course at that moment is what do you think where do you think that came from well my my gut is the only reason i stayed in comedy or the universe was like this will take you to the promised land so when i did montreal and they was putting me in the writer's room and uh i think it's two people went to saturday night live you know it's like a it's almost like a draft i call it like the nba draft of of stand-up uh-huh uh i just didn't like the path that they were offering me mm-hmm. it's something that within me that was like this won't be the best version of myself because i had sacrificed so much already mm-hmm. um and i think once it was anything time in life once you strip down like i said to your bare minimum then you know how far you're willing to go how long were you in comedy at that point um i think it had to be around seven and nine years okay um yeah, seven years I realized I was I was funny. Uh-huh. Uh, that I could tell a joke. And I think at nine I realized I didn't need the jokes no more. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in the Middle East and I bombed. Uh, and I know that sounds, <laughs> you know. But it happened. I was in Afghanistan. Uh, <laughs> USO? Yeah, USO. And it's bad as an American when you bombing on your own soil. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> And I, the jokes I had, I was talking about medieval times and all this stuff just wasn't working. Mm. And I'm like, oh, I'm reminding people of home. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting in, these, in this, this barracks, this bomb shelter or whatever, and I was like, you have the tools. You're funny. You're funny. So go be funny. Yeah. And I went on stage, and everything I experienced in Afghanistan, I talked about, and then I got a standing O. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was one moment. Um that changed everything. And I got in trouble wow. for this stuff I was talking about 
because it's observations that I observed that I, I probably shouldn't have been saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but the soldiers all felt it. Right? Yeah, yeah. And so I became like a union rep out there. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, man. They're ready to riot. They riot. And then I went to the next base and the command said something like, don't do this. And by the time I got to the next base, they was like, man, we heard about you. Mm. And then I just kept getting into it with command. So by my last show, I just did something light and then the soldiers got mad. Oh, no way. Yeah, they was like, we putting our life on the line. Yeah. Every day. So you could you know, do this thing for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, you're right. Um, <laughs> and that was around the time, you know, all this was happening around like Montreal time. This is all around this is all the same. 2012. Right. And, um, and then another key moment is when I did my This Is Not Happening Yeah. Uh, for Comedy Central. And I took all the jokes out because I was shooting a TV, I was shooting a drama Mm-hmm. And I landed to do that show, and I was trying to remember the jokes. Uh-huh. I knew the story, and I always follow my gut. My instinct was like, "Don't worry about the jokes. You you live the story. Right? Tell the Just story. Just tell it." And it was a game changer because I was at a moment of low self esteem mm-hmm. and comedy because everything you know was about relatability, like Kevin Hart, like I yeah. got a family, and I got all that, and I just had a moment like, man, I don't have a family. Mm-hmm. I have what do I have like? This is, this is who I am. I was always doing these Harry Potter jokes and these clever <laughs> type smart material, but I just yeah. was like, I can't relate to nobody. So I'm just going to talk about why I don't relate to nobody. Right. Father schizophrenic drug addict. I remember the first day I saw him smoke crack. Now it's all coming out, the therapeutic stuff. Right. And that's when people was coming out of the woodworks. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Like that happened to me too. And, mm-hmm. you know, this and that. And one guy was on heroin when he saw my my uh this is not happening uh-huh. and he had kids and he stopped that night jeez so i saw how it affected people yeah so the power of that the power of that brute honesty you know yeah and that's something we have as comics and storytellers yeah you know so but it's it's again it's a pretty courageous thing especially when you're starting out you're not really established you're not making money yet you're struggling to not go the and you see what likability gets you or gets certain people but i'm on the side where likability also can cause you to kill yourself if that makes sense we know guys who get the things and it just doesn't fulfill the thing that people with our traumatic experiences need fulfilled Mm -hmm. so then the option comes like okay do you want to uh, fight uh, for your for you know what you believe in, or do you want to like kill yourself in a beautiful home? <laughs> you know. So, right. well, basically, I'm saying depression and all those things that comes with uh, life. Yeah, and, and we don't talk about those things. The stigma of those things. You talk about that in the special. Yeah, you talk about when people and celebrities and you think they have it all and they don't, and you want to know. What was really going on? And why weren't you more creative? <laughs> and that was based on, a, I, I, I was frustrated with this one business woman who, who was worth 400 million who, who, uh, who killed herself. Uh-huh. And I was upset because she did it with a scarf. Right. Yeah. It's a true story, so. You're right. 
Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, if you've ever been in that dark place, you always think of, I've been there, and I was like, man, I want to do it. And my sense of humor came from that place. Because mm-hmm. the universe was like, do it. You want to kill yourself? Do it. Really? If you do it, you're going to be fucked up at the club in a wheelchair. All, all the funny, <laughs> crazy scenarios you go through, because you already, I'm already a failure at this point. Uh-huh. Like, I'm 18, I'm in college. So the thought of killing myself and just failing at all type of ways, I was coming up with killing myself. <laughs> my my sense, That's for the- sense of humor was just like, Saving and I was able to laugh at it like out loud. Right. So... Man, to be at a place of, at 18 to be thinking I'm a failure when most people don't even think they've started yet. They're still lacing up their shoes <laughs> at 18. Was that a product of having to figure out a lot of stuff early that maybe made you feel older at that point? It's the... It's the um byproduct of uh growing up in certain situations and then feeling like your family is cursed type thing yeah right and then your environment is cursed mm-hmm. um and by that time i had already was cutting myself and doing stuff i didn't even know black people did you know what i mean yeah uh and um the butter knife with the butter knife uh very embarrassing another failure <laughs> um i used a butter knife to cut myself and that was the only time i did i got one cut on my arm um good thing it was a butter knife yeah good thing and i'm not mad because my my lady also has the cuts on her arm so we trauma bond <laughs> you know we lick each other you know when, um but i think it's and then not knowing how to deal with it there's no conversation around it no you know, um, especially in in our community, we don't talk about sadness and depression and those things. Where was this? This is growing up in Atlanta, in Clarkson, Atlanta, Georgia. And I mean, I'm I'm a part of, I'm from a, a part of town where you have the blue collar on this side, mm-hmm. family blue collar, and then you have the white collar, family white collar on this side, and mm-hmm. then the projects to the back. And it's, I'm in the in the county jail is in my neighborhood, so I'm already outsiders of these different. Communities, yeah. and then I'll get bused to an upper middle class uh, white school. Uh, so it's a lot of like geez. not fitting in, figuring out where you are, figuring it out. But I go through the same thing in the career. Like yeah. business is high school all over again. Yeah, it well, it never yeah, that's life. It never stops. Yeah, it never stops. So now I could navigate it uh, better, but at the time it just wasn't. Then I got dropped off in college. I was the first to go to college. Uh-huh. So there's no predecessor. So I found out my homeboy's parents went to college, so they had all the tools of how to survive this thing. Yeah. And this was a totally different world. Right. To get dropped off in a, a town, a small town, uh, religious school, mm-hmm. and um, no... No roadmap. No yeah. And I'm failing classes. I'm, my basketball thing is not going good. I'm hustling on the side, you know, so I'm living like a triple life over here. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a it's a, a sum of like all those things. And I'm an A-B student, too. You are? Yeah. What, um, in high school, you mean? In high school, yeah. I didn't have to really take senior classes. Right. But like I said, nobody was... It was really, aside from a counselor, it was nobody there to tell me, like, oh, you should graduate at 16, 17. Yeah. And go do these these other things. Right. It was a big gap of, like, emptiness. Jeez. How much of that is, um, 
because you you stop down at the end and talk about how important your mom was yeah and which was really nice it was yep. a very heartfelt moment um but then you tell the story about how your dad he must he was still in the town like because you were aware of him but he wasn't raising you how much of how much of it was, he was a major influence my grandfather and my dad it was probably some of the most fun times in my life um because it was probably the most stable time in my life. When? When I was with my dad. Which was? Uh, like five, six. Right. Around those age because uh, he had money, he worked, and I never needed or wanted anything, so to speak. Right. And then I got with my mom, who's more of a like struggling person in Atlanta trying to mm-hmm. figure her life out. Like, my parents young, you know. Your kids. Yeah, that yeah. kid. You don't know that yourself, so. No. You have to either have kids or become of age for you to realize, like, man, this person was 19 with, <laughs> with a child. Yeah. Um, and and this they didn't have the self-help and stuff we have now. No. No, it's, it, it really is kind of crazy that, like, now if a kid has any utterance of, I'm in trouble, there's a lot of people that can swoop in and be like, go talk go talk here, yep. go talk to them. And it's, it's out in the open now. It wasn't, No, it wasn't. So like, if you're, if you're, I mean, I can't even un- understand, like I take for granted just having people point to you around, or at least just having like when it, it's almost like they put you in a little boat and sent you in the ocean and said, Go find land. Yeah, and <laughs> and you like, like I don't even know how a boat works. And now, and now what's land? <laughs> right. That's how I feel. Like, what is what is what is land? Like, what is good land? Yeah. Um, and what is the? Why is the ocean so choppy? And, yeah, and how will I know when I see it? So yeah, man. But I feel privileged to. I'm realizing that shape shaped me in a way. Because at, at 25, a lot of my friends' parents was executives. Uh-huh. And my mom wasn't. We got put out when I was 25. Right. So I started to see, and I wasn't doing nothing. I was the first graduate from college, but I wasn't going to work a job. Yeah. So I started to see, like, uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, this is a sum of all decision-making. Because I, I went to engineering school, so uh-huh. I could at least see patterns and stuff. Right. So I... Um, I just, you know, try to find something that I was I was good at. Right. And um figure it out. And I think, you know, God for that because I had time. Yeah. Time is a great thing that we take for granted. Yeah. I love that part of your special talking yeah. about past, past future. Present, future, yeah. Present. And seeing the physical act out of that. Yeah. It was really well done. Thank you. Thank you. That was uh shrooms. Um, <laughs> psychedelics yeah uh, yeah that was a very important thing I think I should wanted to give everybody especially my culture because we are a culture of trauma mm-hmm. and every time we trigger we go back to the, to the past to, the, to that past right um, there's a lot of gaps in that in that past so you know it's, yeah. it's a healing of that to be able to um meditate or take shrooms meditate is walking up the mountain taking shrooms is taking a helicopter up the mountain <laughs> and uh not having that pass uh on your shoulders mm-hmm. and now you're existing like wow look how beautiful this mountain is and look at the air and those things we do take 
take for granted and then having a positive outlook on your past, which is tough to do if you haven't capitalized on it. What do you mean capitalized on it? Um, if you're not stuck in it. Right. If you're able to look back and like I was, a, you know, I've accomplished college. I've, I've seen the world. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I got damn near a million miles on my, you know, flights. Right. But I've traveled even if not for comedy. And have a chance to sit down and observe everything and take these things home. Mm-hmm. So those, if it wasn't for my upbringing, I wouldn't have the outlook that I have now. Right. And um, I would be in a whole different place, for better or for worse. When you talk about... Uh, it's an acceptance. An acceptance of you as a person. Uh, what I've been through and how far, it really kind of catapulted me. Mm-hmm. When I thought it was holding me back, what, what did the uncomfortableness and stuff like that? Uh huh. It actually allowed me to go see the world. Not having a home, what I right. configured a home uh-huh. has allowed me on a journey to go find a home. Right. And that right. journey has allowed me to say no to living in places and stuff like that, and going around the world to find that, and realizing that home for me is Earth. The right. whole place is my home. Right, right. Yeah, the, the the connective part of it. Was there when you when you're at this point? How old are you when you're on this bit of a journey? I'm probably like thirty five, I think. Right. Because I didn't really drink and stuff much because of the the addict. A family been from a family of addicts mm-hmm. from tobacco all the way to like crack cocaine. Right. And um, once I understood addiction. Which is, I'm not masking anything. I'm experimenting with it to see what it is. Right. And I had to be very careful not to use it to hide sadness or mm-hmm. anytime I feel a certain way, be like, I'm going to do this. Yeah. And that Fills takes that hole. Yeah. Yeah. It's a discipline, right? Oh, man. So um, that allowed me to have these experiments. And then I was able to understand my dad more. Right. Yeah. A bad trip for seven hours. Let me understand what he goes through every day. Every day. Was he was he able to? Cause I have people that I know in my family that had the same struggles, and they were cool for a while, and then it takes over. Was he when you were like five, six, and hanging with him? Was he together, or was he was he dealing with it already? Oh, that's the, that's the part that shapes my life. Uh-huh. Uh, because he would give me advice like you can't trust no you can't trust no women out here. They after your money. Uh-huh. And he was one of the only few people in town that had a little bit of money. Uh-huh. But I don't know whether that was him mm-hmm. or not. So that excuse me, that changes everything. Yeah. Cause I thought it I thought he smoked crack and it affected his mind. Mm-hmm. And then as a result of that, he went crazy. But when people say, because they don't, they never talked about it, mm-hmm. that he was that way when he was like eighteen, he, they started to see signs. Mm-hmm. Then to me, it's like, oh man, um, now I could be affected by this thing, and it's not from drugs. And he was trying to suppress it the whole time, right? And he wasn't in a community or a place um, that allowed him to get help or they just be like oh you know how he is right exactly versus doing the extra research and you know and when you have that that mental problem those drugs loosen it up yeah and then you're 
now you're in a in a place where few people come back. It's tough to come back. Yeah. Imagine if you if you was paranoid that people was trying to poison you, mm-hmm. and the only way to get help is for people to give you medicine. Mm-hmm. Right. That's tough already. Yeah, that's a tough existence. Yeah, uh, and you know everything else compounds with that. When you uh, and I had to learn how to go with him after my bad trip. Uh huh. I told. I remember telling my grandmother, um, we was wrong. Everything he experienced is real because mm-hmm. he believes it, and if he believes it, that means it's real to him. Right. So I would have to go into his world with him, and you would have a normal conversation, and he'll take a left. Right. Right. And he was like, and then I have to like push. I would push my emotion down. Mm-hmm. He was like, yeah, I was on the bus today, man. I seen a. Uh, I was looking at this lady who I was I know and I think I've been with her before and he she was sitting next to a kid and he looked just like me. And he was like, That's my son. I gotta go take care of my son. Oh man. And I almost cried. Yeah. And I had to push it down. Cause I saw him make a sacrifice for somebody else that I might have lost out on. Right. So I was like, my voice I remember my voice getting shaky and stuff, and then I pushed it down. They have to be in this world with him. What did he look like? Mm-hmm. Oh, man, that could have been your son. What are we going to do to help you get to him? And then when we get off the phone, I would have to decompress for like 30 minutes. Oh, yeah. At least. Yep. At least. So you could either pay for improv classes or <laughs> hang out with schizophrenics. You know? It's so... Uh... People be like, man, you kind of natural at acting. <laughs> How you pick that up? <laughs> <laughs> so when you when you are uh when you're from 18 to 35 was there anybody that was a bit of a mentor was there anybody who I mean the universe put so many people in my life a friend of mine Adrian her son mother I accused her of being a drug dealer cuz she was making moves I ain't never seen mm-hmm. and she started a company like a head start program or something to give kids uh grant money from mm-hmm. uh early uh development um to help educate the youth and she gave me a book to read she's like i'm not a drug dealer <laughs> i just think differently uh-huh. um i've educated myself and changed my thought process uh, so she gave me a book reach dad poor dad and um uh another book um and i read those books and my mm-hmm. mind slowly started to change to the point I was reading Brian Tracy and um, uh, Tony Robbins by the time I was 22 and I'm making all these my homeboy we would bootleg all these CDs right that's how we made money right yeah um, so <laughs> I would bootleg the time like give me the Tony Robbins stuff so I would get the street version of bootleg version of all the Tony Robbins discs that's any program great. he came out with right? yeah and then I would try to push these to people nice. uh, especially family and stuff like that because by this time, I'm out trying to live my dream and stuff and not accepting anything. Right. And I'm like, you can have it too, you know? Uh, yeah. So <laughs> that that was a uh, just one. Uh, that's huge, though. That's a huge uh, stepping stone. Yeah. But it always been these, I call them like angels, so to speak. Yeah. Like I've been walking down the street and I've, and uh, people, the first time I was seeing homeless people and people would ignore them. And then they would say something to me. They'd be like, you know, asking people for change. And they'd be like, hey, go to the left down the street. And I would do that. And then I would end up in a better 
place. Uh-huh. So it's always been these hints. But I think if you're in tune and aware, mm-hmm. if you're in tune to your instincts and aware, those things have helped me the most. Because yeah. the signs are there. It's out there. If But you've got to, there's got to be some spark inside of you that's looking to save yourself. Right? Save yourself or, or others. Because mm-hmm. after a while, you know it's others like you. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you're like, oh, I need to do this for them. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I go deeper in show business because of that. Yeah. But at the early part, you're probably not thinking about others. It's Well, no, not not at first because you're living on the street yourself. And yeah. When I, when I hit bottom, it was like ask for help. Mm-hmm. It's something I never did because I, when I did it when I was young, I got in trouble for asking for help. Mm-hmm. Um, so... You know, I did ask for help. I think I was in a coffee. I was in. A, I used to sleep on Hollywood Boulevard in my car, and I seen Neil Brennan in the Coffee Bean, and I was like, "Hey man, I ain't got no place to stay." And he was like, "Oh, I got a little. I'm renting a little spot in the hills. Come, you got a two days. You can stay up there." And then <laughs> that turned to sleeping on this couch and that couch. So it was definitely a community of of like, you know, everybody that believed in you. It was like a few of us just on couches because it was yeah, it was '08 and '09. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> good timing. I mean, anytime you want to move to a city, go when it's at rock bottom. <laughs> right when the when the entire economy collapses. Yeah. Nobody can get a haircut or nothing. We all figuring it out. You know. What so. what part what part Byron did you was did comedy pop into your head? Um, when I was in junior high school, my mom put a disc on my desk. Uh, Martin Lawrence talking shit mm-hmm. and I listened to it I never heard nothing like that before and I would listen to it at night before I went to sleep and then this whole Def Jam thing started and by the time that happened that's where my personality came from uh-huh. as far as making people laugh and I went from being bullied to becoming a bully uh-huh. I could talk <laughs> trash about anybody yeah. I could go against three people you know what I mean and then I also started playing sports. So I became an athlete also, um, which is weird because I would be in classes. Uh, I, got, I used to get kicked out of these schools. Um, and this is, this is show you the difference in education in certain communities. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my neighborhood, I would get kicked out of schools for having this, for getting into it with the teachers or whatever. And then I got sent to a mixed school. Um, and that took a standardized, standardized test. And I excelled in math and English, and they took me out of my class of like all majority of black people into a class where it was only five of us. Uh And that's another moment that changed everything because it took me from going to school in my neighborhood to an upper middle class uh, area where I'm I'm seeing like BMWs for the first, I'm a car guy, so I'm seeing the first 740IL (laughs) and these yards with like beautiful grass and Mm -hmm. all these things that look attainable. Yeah, to me, and you get used to seeing that, uh, and you believe that you could you could live like this. Um, so that's a defining, that's another defining moment, you know. Yeah, no, if that just, answer the questions, but just seeing the world. Yeah, just seeing a different part of the world, and the food was different. And I remember going to my home school and I'm like, damn, this is what y'all are eating, and um, you know, uh, the books we would read. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't take fully advantage of this because on the weekends it was, I guess, CEOs or 
or, or bankers, uh, investors that mm-hmm. were parents of the uh, students, they would actually teach investing and stuff on the weekend. Right. right. And during those times, and it's like, man, we had access to all of these things that we didn't, we didn't know about. Yeah. And we still do. We just don't, we just not open to it. So, um, and then I would have to go back home and worry about somebody stealing my book, books, and because they didn't have books at the school, right? Homeschool and stuff like that. Right. We had. God, it's amazing what just the exposure, you know, like Man. it's like you don't. Even, it's like it literally is different planet. Yeah, a different planet. And like I said, I'm in this one community. I got people over here. Mm-hmm. I got people over here, and I got people. The project behind me. Yeah. And my homeboy said it was a blessing because I was able to bounce around all these different communities. Yeah, you're like a little sociologist. Yeah, I was weird. <laughs> I was weird to everybody though. Yeah. But I'm soaking in everything. Uh-huh. Like I would be in the hood and they'd be smoking the the they'd be rolling weed <laughs> and I would read the magazine they rolling weed on. And it'd be like a National Geographic or anything. <laughs> and I'm just looking at the photos. Right. And that's that was my first time to like mentally like travel. Like, oh, I want to go here. I want to go there. Mm-hmm. And I would just imagine myself in these places. You right. Know? So. Yeah, it's kind of interesting when you. And then they would be like, fix my computer. Because I would fix Hustler's computers. Yeah. Because <laughs> I went to engineering school. Yeah. Hence the bootleg and then the P2P networks and all this stuff. <laughs> it's pretty crazy because there is a thing about you in your stand-up where you don't really know where you came from until you say it. But there's like a, there's like a, it makes sense now that you're, you're talking about this being in all these different places because you do f- seem like you're from a bunch of different places. But that's the thing, but now that you mention it, the pattern of like, oh, I need to find a home. Mm-hmm. And like the journey of finding a yeah. home. Yeah, yeah. You know, so. So when you have, when you talk in, in the special about uh, having this experience with mushrooms and the biggest thing which I'm hearing in the in the culture a lot is when people experiment with mushrooms on some level, a big thing is that the anxiety goes away. Yeah. Um, it makes you present, depending on how you do it and who you are. Um, so when you're present, you're not thinking about the future right yeah um and you're not thinking about um the past and it's crazy with mushroom because it opens your third eye Mm -hmm. right so it's just making more aware of stuff that that's in front of you Mm -hmm. you do this all the time if you make real good love or if you do them last three pumps you're present (laughs) you don't think about oh shit i ain't wear no condom or nothing after you finish But you feel good, you present, and you you're in tune with what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. And when you make love, it's the same thing. You ever have the experience, um, which took me a long time to really like do because I had a situation when I was ten mm-hmm. that robbed me of uh, trustful like sexual experience. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned that in the special. Yeah, I just mentioned it, but I didn't go into it because I didn't. Yeah, I didn't realize the effects of it until the relationship I'm in now which is such a which is still a thing in in the world when a when a boy yeah has something happen to him the reaction is good for you yeah someone 
a woman fooled around with you when you were 10? Yeah. Hey. But. I still don't know how to take it, but I do know uh, because I'm in a loving relationship. Hey, baby. Um, <laughs> that it is some intimacy uh, walls mm-hmm. there. You know? Yeah, of course. Um, and to this day, I don't like teenage uh, girls. <laughs> right. I don't trust them. Like, they like, if uh-huh. it's, I shy away from them, like, black people just walk away from black cats. <laughs> I don't like looking at them. It's something in their eyes I don't trust, you know, so I know yeah. it's something. How old was she? I just know it's something there. Wait, I thought she was older. Yeah, she is older. She was older. She was older. Yeah. Right. So why the teenage girl thing? Because it's, t- it's a, like, a early, got a 14, 13 year Oh, old. she, right. You were yeah. 10. She was yeah. a teen. Oh, okay. oh you're thinking like 18 I, and all that. Yeah, I thought she was, like, uh, grown. Wow. That would have been a whole different experience, I think. Yeah, because then you would have had to be, be leery of <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all think, the women that, you know, cause I think, that you'll ever run into. I think it was a thing of, like, <laughs> the adolescence of a, of a young lady, and I don't know what they experienced during those, mm-hmm. those times, because their body go through changes uh, yeah. themselves, so... Um, but regardless, I definitely, th- I definitely know something is up, and then it's one of those traumatic experiences where you question, like, did that really happen? Mm-hmm. Um, and like I could see it, and I could, I could, I can, I know what it sound like, mm-hmm. and I know what it's like the 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 sensory of it. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, you know, is that it, really? Yeah, did it really? <laughs> right. Why is it so detailed? Yeah, because I remember I told my mom, she's like, that didn't happen. And I was like, oh, shit, this is what the ladies be going through. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm slapping the table. Don't tell me it didn't happen. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice restaurant, too. Oh, really? <laughs> That's a good thing about being successful. And when you're going through the struggle, you can't process emotion because hunger is the only thing you feel. But mm-hmm. once you start being able to, like, afford Starbucks every day, <laughs> when you broke, you got simple dreams. Like, man, I just want a new pair. <laughs> A draw. You could tell I was broke. I got like five new pair of drawers in the in the drawer, and since COVID, I can't fit none of them. And I was like, dang, <laughs> you know, I'm a large now. Um, but you be able to have good, good, uh, get triggered and have traumatic experience in beautiful places. Mm-hmm. I got in an argument with my lady in Italy, and she was like, yeah. And I'm looking outside, like, man, I'm in Italy right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This is cool. I worked hard to get cut. You know how hard you got to work to get cussed out by your lady in another country? Cedar closets in the hotel room? Come on, people. We're living life out here. But I'm like, people have these experiences every day. That's why it's trippy to me. Mm-hmm. Some people don't even know the other side because they grew up in the nice things and then they just had their arguments normally. Mm-hmm. But so when you didn't, sometimes you take a step back and be like, wow. Mm-hmm. This is crazy. No, when you, the thing that popped in my head when you're talking about going through that at 10, it's a, and then you have to process, you have to, your whole life you have to kind of process this. You have to lie and pretend you're a virgin. What's the, who who does that? Right. (laughs) All throughout high school. And then you take a step back and you realize that like 80% of the girls have something in their past. Past, yeah. Where someone... Yeah, messed with something. So think about the number of women that have to yeah have to deal with that. It's uh it's such an ongoing thing. I mean, you don't you don't know the 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 circle of it because if it happens to them, they might do it to a young. It's a it's a thing like 
um, nice guy meets a bitch, become a bad dude, meet a nice girl, fuck her over, she become a bitch. It's like a circle, <laughs> right. it's like a circle yeah. right? Yeah. So it's very interesting how these things, and then with women, like, especially, you know, back in the day when you hear these stories, like I had to hear these ladies' stories. Because mm-hmm. uh, I got a lot of female cousins in my family, and I'm like, yeah. Yeah. And that's when race don't matter. Mm-hmm. That's when you're like, man, I'm a, I'm a dude. Mm-hmm. You know, thank God I'm a dude. If, you can, if you're allowed to say that, that's how I'd be on the inside. <laughs> right. Yeesh. What was the order that you said when you said how you consider yourself? It was... Oh, spiritual. Um, spiritual. First, right? Man. Uh, human. Human. Man. Black. Now, it's, it's so much, though. Comedian. It's so much fit in there that doesn't evolve. Sure. Straight race or straight male. You know, like, um, but having, like, a human experience. Like, I, I was telling somebody earlier, I can be at a Black Lives Matter, uh, Black Lives Matter rally, mm-hmm. but if I'm hungry... Like, that's a human experience. Right. You know what I mean? I will bite your hand off. I don't care if you're black, white, you know. I'm just a hungry man. If I see a, a, a cop and she got some nice titties, she, she could be Latina. And I'll be like, hey, you know, uh, <laughs> this ain't got nothing to do with you. It's for the other cops. So, so I mean, that's the, that's the male version taking over and the hunger is the human um, version taking over and you've you've experienced that before uh ladies and gentlemen if you ever shitted on yourself <laughs> you've had a human experience <laughs> right. everything else that's going on goes out of the window right right and right. then you have the, <laughs> the straight panic and anxiety of like oh oh oh, oh uh, like when you uh-oh. clinch that triple clinch <laughs> And it's like, all right, well, I need clothes. What I need, like, I need to get find a bathroom, like, so. Right. <laughs> now I said shrooms just heighten, heighten certain patterns and stuff that we have, and then you humanize it almost, or you realize like, oh, we've all experienced this thing. Right. 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 Um, you don't have to be a black person um, to experience uh, disrespect mm-hmm. uh, from the government. We know that. Right. You know, um, we know that now. So. Oh, not all of us might not be be aware of that. But yeah. Like me traveling to other countries and seeing racism in other countries mm-hmm. made me realize how privileged we was as Americans. Mm-hmm. How it so? It was crazy. From where? I was in the DR and a Haitian dude was asking me for money. And I was like, man, I ain't coming here for all that. I remember saying that. I was like, I'm here with my homeboys. We can't eat, yeah. drink. And he was like, I get it. He was like, uh, he was like, you from America? I was like, yeah, yeah. He was like, uh, he was like, yeah, police, they, uh, they, um, they fuck with us too over here. He was like, I got the scars. He was showing me his scars. And he was like, the only difference is over there, y'all got a chance. Mm. And I was like, hey man, he go take this, take this five dollars, <laughs> cause that was a life changing, like outlook. Yeah. Cause looking at America from the outside, you realize some things about yourself. Mm-hmm. One, you're an American. Mm-hmm. I don't care what you think you is. When you go to like certain countries and you pull out that blue passport and they look at you a certain way, mm-hmm. I knew that we've done some things in that country. And I was like, oh, shit, I'm the white man over here. Uh-huh. Right. That's how trippy things get yeah. that we don't know about. Yeah. And how privileged we are, no matter even if you're poor in this country, you're not 
worldly poor. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of privilege and stuff that other countries don't have. And in America, one idea could change your whole life. Yeah. And your family's life for at least three generations. Yeah. That guy here is, gets a Tony Robin bootleg in, CD. in his country. Does it, how much help is it? <laughs> that is true. Like, right? <laughs> like, you started to hustle, you started to find a way. Yeah, I mean, just think, um, being in Cali, I remember the first time I sold a script. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I got to call a drug dealer and be like, hey, they just gave me a few kilos for nothing. <laughs> for words. <laughs> I didn't have to bring, fly nothing out across town and take no chances. My heart never raced. I understood, because before I was doing comedy, but then the pandemic happened, and then I just started moving and stuff, nothing, and I turned it into something. Yeah. And I was like, this what this city is. <laughs> right. It's a bunch of hustlers. That's and, right. And doing all type of it. And yeah. I was like, wow, this is crazy. So that's what I mean by turning some misfortunes into fortunes. And, and then you meet people that did it on a bigger scale. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Well, where are you at at this moment then? Because you've had some success. The special comes out. It's really well received. Like you see like what you're able to do. Yeah. Is, has it, has it, what's it done to your head at this point? Does it make you think? All right, now we're not going to stop, or is it? Now it's like, what do I want to do? Yeah, because I was filming a show in Baltimore for nine months, so I had comedy stripped from me. Right. I had a way of life stripped. I had the the essence of L.A., like seeing the mountains and that stripped from me. So I went, I took a, I took a dive mentally, and I had to come out of there and work through that this year and be mm-hmm. isolated. Me and my lady, you know, we all because she was directing the show, and I'm in the show. So we was she was tested at work and tested at home, right? You know, and um, and vice versa. So, and we made it through stronger, yeah. and it made us tighter. You know, we yeah. did that. We already came from a pandemic. Yeah, you know, you were together. Yeah, we were together. We lived together through that. So, um, and then we came through this, and then it just made which was our, harder. This, this was harder. This was harder? Yeah. This was harder because it's stuff that I didn't know that she was, the, the empathy wasn't there enough for me to do my job, what she needed me for. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and I wasn't aware. Right. Either. Right. Because I was caught up in my own thing. So it's something like you got a decision to make at that point, especially because I got baby fever now and I want a kid. And all these things are going to affect that when it comes to, like, teamwork. Yeah. Uh, and this is a long haul mm-hmm. thing, you know what I mean? So, uh, Tell yeah. me about baby fever. I, I seen a girl one day. She was pretty. Uh-huh. And she was walking down the street, and then she had a kid with her, and the kid turned. And I was like, man, that's a cute baby. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Cause I don't like the word. I never liked the word cute and all that stuff. So when I said it, I was like, oh, and I jumped back. I ain't even looking at her no more. <laughs> right. And wherever I was, I remember sitting down. Yeah. <laughs> and like, what just what is going on? What's what's wrong with me? Yeah, I never. <laughs> and I was like, um, you know, um, mind you, maybe a year or two before, I met this lady and had a one night stand, mm-hmm. and I remember it. The next morning, I was sitting in the parking lot like, I wonder what our kids will look like. (laughs) 
I'm gonna introduce her to my mama. And this stuff I would hear women like say, right? And I'm like, man, I'm tripping. And I was like, I'll give you two weeks to go down this wormhole. And I'm calling her and she dissing me and all this stuff. Uh-huh. And I was like, you know, man, this is terrible. You're a very weird person. You, you're doing bad. And I was like, so this is cool. This is a this is a human experience. Like right. people go through this in high school. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm like, man, I get a chance to go through this. So when the when I had when I saw the baby and it was cute, I, I didn't have a California license. I ain't had no credit. I ain't have nothing. <laughs> and then I, I still drove coupes. Uh, and then I think within uh, within two weeks, I had a California license. And then within six months, I think my credit was like 500. Within six months, it was like 740. <laughs> and then I had a, my first four-door car. Yeah. So I was already. You're broke. already. <laughs> yeah, I'm like. Because you got to think. You're smoking a pipe. Well, you know, you meet somebody in a situation. Yeah. And, you know, you want to be, you, I always think you want to meet somebody on a journey yeah. versus, because I already had, had, had a failed, you know, relationship, so to speak. Uh-huh. So, um, and then I think something was like, you going to have a girlfriend soon. And I think it was three years after that when I met my lady that I, I have now. Yeah. And now you've been together six years? Six years. Wow. Yeah. Is she a baby fever? Yeah, 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 yeah. We talked about it the first date. Mm. And I didn't back down. <laughs> I did that. I wanted with... some action. So I just wanted to see where this was going to go. You know what I mean? I did that with my wife. I just immediately started talking about babies. Wow. And it freaked her out. She was like, she started drinking. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, where are you coming? But I was just, I just knew. I was like, yeah. No, we can make babies. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And it just came, it's just like naturally. Yeah, it just it, came out. We're just having a drink at the bar and I'm like. How did you know though? I don't know. Chemistry. We also had like a, it was a comfort level. We had the shared history that we didn't know about. Wow. Where we went to the same kindergarten and then I moved in third grade and we were just one year apart. So we had all this common we knew the same people. We knew yeah. that kind of upbringing. We just had all this together. And I was just like, it was a St. Patrick's Day. And I was like, Whoa. you're going to have my babies. And she was like, doing shots. <laughs> what are you talking about? That's an amazing story. <laughs> yeah. St. Patty's Day. Yeah. Yeah, she, I, met, I met mine on the app. And uh, she was supposed to meet me like on a Saturday. Then Friday, I'm at the comedy store, and she texts me. Like, we we texting back and forth for, like, a few months. Mm. And we just cut communication. Then we started back up. And she was like, oh, I'm down the street. I'm with, like, four of my gay friends. We want to come over to see you do stand-up. And I'm with a homeboy. Shout out to uh, um, Matt. I ain't seen Matt in eight years at this point <laughs> since I left. Uh, Atlanta. He went to the Navy, uh-huh. so he's fresh off a boat. Oh God! And he come to town to party, and I'm with Matt, and she show up. Long story short, I'm like Matt, look, man, I'm gonna catch you later. <laughs> uh, and uh, we went to um, we ended up going to Alcove uh, and eating a dessert, and that's when all the conversation came up, and she was just like in my ass about my set. Oh really? Like, and you in L.A. Right. Yeah. You in a city where everything is passive aggressive, and oh, I love we love everybody, yeah. and then it's just, it's really like <laughs> so. You know what I mean? And then it was just we started on that, and I'm leaning forward. And she was like, "You ain't no Trump supporter, are you?" And I was like, "What difference? What does it? What difference does that make?" And she was like, 
Oh, she was that, you know what I mean? She was, she was lit. And she yeah. was analyzing everything and not everything. letting you off the hook. Yeah, so, <laughs> and then it was just on. And I yeah. told her that night, I was like, you know, I'm scared. Something really never say, right? Mm -hmm. I'm like, you seem like the person that could really break my heart, but something is saying, like, just kick it. And um, if it's anybody can do it, it'd, I'd rather it be you. That's what I'm instinct, my instincts are telling yeah. me. And it was like, yeesh. <laughs> Why did I say that? <laughs> but everything was so honest anyway, up to that point. Yeah. Um, and then it was just it was just on. And three months into our dating, because uh, we all got mutual friends uh, uh -huh. that I didn't I didn't know. And she I, I told her I was in Japan and she was like, Hey, did you make a video while you was in Japan? Um she was like, I was supposed to come to Japan. Uh-huh. And um I was like, Yeah. And she was like, what was the video? Was you and you was with another black dude? I was like, yeah, my cousin. And we, I, we was like, just, you know, 2016 gonna be the best year ever. And she was like, oh, that was corny. <laughs> she was like, I seen that video. I was supposed to come to Japan and I was seeing that video and I was like, nah. <laughs> oh, no. And she went to New York and I was like, yeah. I'm like, man, I'm glad you didn't go because we was doing debauchery in, <laughs> over in Japan. <laughs> And it's and you talk about moments. Yeah, that's moments where if <laughs> our paths would have crossed, then uh -huh. it wouldn't have right would ruined out. everything. <laughs> but then we met later, and we still laugh about laugh about that situation. <laughs> do you live together? Yep, you do. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're gonna have a baby. One of the one of the uh, um, I think yeah, it's very it's very dope. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, women a, a good woman. From my understanding, can triple your worth. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Um, like my diet, the diets together. You know, I never really ate salads and stuff like that. <laughs> right. I don't like all the sauce and stuff, but you know, her being from the Middle East, they make fresh salads. Uh-huh. With no dressing. They use like olive oil, lemon, and sprinkle salt on it. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> it just changed like my diet and my my way of life, but the vibe. Mm -hmm. We both want the same household uh, spiritual vibe in the house. Oh, nice. And she's able to create that. Right. You know? Yeah, that's great. Um, Let me ask you, uh, when you say change your diet, um, what were you eating as a, as a kid? As a kid, here's the thing. Because my grandfather and grandmother had a uh, form. Oh, they grew vegetables and everything at the house. Peanuts. Uh, they made wine from the from the muscadine vine. Uh -huh. I mean, squash, collard greens. They had eggs from chickens, uh, hunting dogs. We would fish on the weekends. Wow. Uh, watermelon. So every, the universe or, or the granddad provided everything because that, that was the former generation. They yeah. dropped out of school to farm. Right. Um, and on an acre, less than an acre of land, he grew Jeez, everything. all that. And the excess would go to the neighbors. Um, he would fish. He catch eighteen fish. We would cook it right there on the spot, and the excess went to the neighbors. Amazing. So that was uh, and made cream corn from scratch, and all these these things you don't even you take for granted. Don't even know. Yeah. And then when I moved to my mom, it was just like halt everything. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know at the time. Record Mama scratch. Young, just pop that can. <laughs> You know, and then my mom would find ways to get us food. Like, she had a uh, hookup at the steakhouse. Uh. So we had, we were eating steak. She taught us how to make rice. 
and we just had a trashy food right like snacks and like the, the snacks that you would want <laughs> you know we had decent stuff though you know i ain't yeah. in front um yeah. but um then i went you go to college it's all fried food and stuff like that and right it's just soul food mm-hmm. right but then before i left i stopped eating soul food because everybody in my family has some type of you know blood pressure problem and stuff right and my body was just over it uh-huh so i would eat rice you could feel it and gravy at thanksgiving uh, they be like, you must like Chinese food, cause yo. So my diet changed already, uh-huh. and then when I got to LA, it was just whatever I could afford, which would be like cheese and like, right, uh, like uh, the burrito wrap, <laughs> right. And I'm just cooking that on the stove. And I remember <laughs> looking at homeless dude eating Whole Foods, and I'd be mad. <laughs> right. Yeah, I had five dollars. I can get a burger now. I can get a burger later and a big ass drink, and make it last until I get to the comedy club. You know, we had right. all these ways of surviving. Uh, yeah. uh-huh. And then um. <laughs> and then I got to a point where I would, would eat foods again, but it was still like it wasn't like now. Right. Somebody's in your ear. Um, and I never got blood tests done. Right. So I, I'm with my lady, and it's like something we could do together. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, these are the things when you become like adults that you do with your lady. <laughs> like he met his lady, she pounding shots, and now it's like looking at results together. Right, exactly. Making adjustments, getting the vitamin yeah. orders in. Picking each other up after your colonoscopy. Oh, yeah. That, that got to be, you know. Um, so I'm getting the dog results, results last night. Because I'm technical, and we had an issue with the dog, and I diagnosed the dog. What do you mean? Um, the dog had issues. Mm-hmm. And I told her I was going to take a day that I was off and research the issues the dog was having. Uh-huh. Um, and I looked at all the dog's charts. And all the vets in Baltimore just doing a runaround. They do the same tests and give a charge like $800 and be like, let's just watch it for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. I'm like, we can't keep doing this. So I read a, read all her, her notes mm-hmm. uh, from like, I think, 2012 or something. And this is just the engineering part of me. And I'm, and I'm going online and I'm looking at all of the, the symptoms that she's had. Yeah. And I just start finding the common denominator. And I took all the fat out of her diet. Because she was having diarrhea and she was throwing uh-huh. up. She was lethargic. And once I did that, she started to feel better. Really? Right? Uh, and I'm giving her certain probiotics and I'm giving her a bland diet. And I'm switching the diet. But you got to you have a prescription for this food now. Right. And I'm giving her. Uh-huh. And so they got it. And then just recently... She came when we moved back to LA officially. She took her to the vet, and then they was like, "Oh yeah, she got chronic pancreatitis," and the, they said, "Just keep on the food that you did." You're already doing so, it. So you know, whatever weakness I am in a relationship, that's a strength when you could save your lady's thing that she loves. Yeah, you know, you know what that sounds like. What a dad. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I looked at it like imagine. If it was your kid, yeah, and it's a racket, yeah. To me, some of these hospitals and the way these things work, and I'm like, man, you can't believe I can't lean on them. How am I gonna lean on them and then tell get this news to my lady mm-hmm. that the the bad medicine made her dog die? Yeah, know? yeah. I already had to tell a parent that their child died before. That's tough. So, jeez, oh, I just went and like, yeah, did it. And I was like, I put it on. I rather put it on my shoulders. Than yeah, you know. Oh, and you did it. Yeah, and you don't want to hear your lady mouth, you know, crying and all that shit. Yeah, 
man, your grandparents, the, the picture you just painted of that one acres, man, it was heavenly. It was beautiful. Pecan. I mean, food fell from the trees. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> These things you take. I mean, we walk outside and we, and we play and when we hunger, we grab two pecans with our hands and pop, pop. <laughs> and you just doing this in the yard talking. You know what I mean? You going yeah. to get grapes off the thing and you get older and you and the way the food is now and then they now they overcharge for the farm to table now i got a name <laughs> right exactly yeah now farm to table you know you're gonna have to pay <laughs> yeah so i mean um i've been blessed to like have some of this this life and that's in athens georgia and then move to the city and have the, the city life mm-hmm. and still be anchored and rooted in like a lot of those things yeah right yeah so no, it's a big thing. Joey, are you here? Where are you? Will you hurry up, Joey? Thank you. You're the best. All right, normally I would bake you bread. Uh-oh. But I've been on the road. I literally just okay. got, got home. And this is my favorite bread in, uh, in Los Angeles. Okay. This, this, this is Lodge bread. Well, long, at least it's the favorite. You know. This is for you. Wow. That is, you and your lady will love that. Wow, look. That's, that's an olive loaf. So if she's Israeli, she's really going to love that. Oh, yeah, that. she's going to love this. You know what else she will love is this Jerusalem bagel. Um, How did you know? I didn't know. Wow. It was all they had left. <laughs> how the universe works sometimes see that yeah <laughs> um yeah this is a jerusalem bagel so you bring these home and i will bake you bread when i and i will see you at the comedy store or wherever we meet up cross paths because i bake bread like this but again I've, I've just been gone for so long this is um these are the things you get exposed to when you don't you know grow up eating Eating bread, your bread come in plastic and already sliced. <laughs> um, well, we all did. You know, there was a there was a time when bread really kind of went off, and it was just nothing but chemicals. And now people have brought back pure bread yeah. without anything in it, and uh, it it just makes you feel so much better. So that's a that's a gift to you. Oh, also for those who don't know, you know this. Yeah, but in Europe. It's at least 10,000 chemicals we have in our food that's illegal over there. Yeah. So you can eat whatever you want and still not gain a weight or it won't affect you in the way it does here. That's right. And seeing this bread and the practices that he's doing is a part of of nurturing the, the, the soul. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, I've been to Jerusalem, and they definitely uh, – have bread like this mm-hmm. and they got a thousand cheeses that I wasn't, I wasn't aware of. <laughs> yeah. Wet I cheese, know. dry cheese. <laughs> we really should add cheese into this for sure. Now how would I, how do I, do I just cut it and I got to learn how to eat? You could just slice it. The Jerusalem bread, you just, this? you could lick the middle of it until all the seeds come off. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just joking. That's the dirt. Now you're on the road right now so you're in a I'm hotel? Back. Well, no, I'm back. Oh, you're back? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm back, so it's good to be home. Okay, good. And, so um, next week when I leave, I'm in a, I'm on an island. I'm in my vacation time. Here. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Okay, so can I take this? Do this travel on planes? It's not one of those. You could travel. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Um, you have a good knife. You have a yeah. nice serrated knife. Yeah. You just slice that. You're going to be able to eat that for the rest of the week. Um, 
This is olive. My favorite way of eating this straight toaster with butter is going to be great. The best. Okay. Uh, cream cheese. You like cream cheese? Uh, I don't like me. Oh, don't like you. All right. Well, I like putting cream cheese on it. Maybe she likes it. Butter and uh, but, I'll do the butter. Yeah. Just toast it. You'll be you'll be in heaven. Okay. Yeah. Um. All right. Yeah. It's great spending time with you. Thank you, man. Yeah. This You're, is uh very therapeutic and uh fun. Yeah, really fun. And uh I'm excited to see what you're going to do next because that special was to come right out of the out of the gate like that was uh and people can watch it on Hulu. Hulu. Because it was on FX and, you, and Disney if you're in Europe. Ain't that crazy they put a nigga on Disney. <laughs> was that Big Mike in the audience? Killer Mike? Killer Mike, yes. rather? Killer Mike, Susan Sarandon, and, and Shea Bigger, his wife. Oh, really? Yeah. That was trippy. Uh, yeah. That was trippy. He's great. How did you, was that just the Georgia connection? Uh, I forgot how we met, but he's he's a very solid, solid person. Yeah. And, um, yeah, sometimes when you meet people, you, you connect to them right away mm-hmm. and they belief system he got he got an old soul that reminds me of like my grandfather and and somebody with with morals and mm-hmm. and um conviction and um the stuff they they talk about so um yeah that's where like the respect and stuff came from and i and i still want to find something for us to do together yeah that would be great yeah that yeah. would be great so Mike, just, anything you need, you know. Because you don't say it during the special or anything. You just see him kind of like laughing and then shake. You know, wait a minute. Yeah. And then at the end, he like kind of shook your hand. I was like, yeah, I think it is. Yeah. It's the coolest. <laughs> yeah. So he he's a car guy also. He does. Oh, yeah. He does a, uh, a father. I mean, he, he wears so many hats. Yeah. So that's another thing that's amazing to see. Like, how do you give your energy to all these things? He's a he's an activist, like a very active. Yeah. Um, intelligent, mm-hmm. hyper intelligent person. Yeah, he's a force. Yeah, just a force. I remember him coming out a couple times and speaking politically. And it was like, it's kind of summed up everything that was happening at the moment. Yeah, it was like mm. I, said, I can't do that. Yeah, no, we we tell jokes. <laughs> and I think, well, this is a this is for the <laughs> culture, but I don't think we our. We we rely a lot on uh, entertainers to be leaders, and we shouldn't we shouldn't do that. Yeah, it's a problem because because politics and news has become entertainment. So that means entertainers become newsmakers and politicians. So it's like this weird crossover. Yeah, but it makes it easy to easier to get rid of the voice to me. Hmm. <sighs> Without getting too deep in it. Yeah. But we should move like some of the other cultures where it's quiet like it is now. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not that's not to be talked about here. <laughs> what do you mean? Um, I think it's ways of, of grooming leaders like like everybody else do and have them do that and then you probably could fund them that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That way you can still be over here doing your thing and you yeah. Know, they won't catch you on no scandal over here. You got to make sure this guy is clean. Yeah. You know, it's like leverage how people do their portfolios, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, it can happen. It's going to be weird. It's going to it's going to 
it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see where it all goes because you do have this all now everything's supposed to be entertainment and we have you know people that from tv shows become presidents and you know but then you have other people that just emerge the other way and, and people get tired of it too it's, it's fun and games when everybody's doing it yeah but some countries they people are old war people Mm-hmm. And that's where the problem come in. Mm-hmm. You can't tap dance your way out these missiles. <laughs> right. <laughs> when that button press, you over there doing all that talking. This guy's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, you know, yeah. it's human nature. Yeah. Well, keep exploring. It Thank was you. really nice that you shared your story with us because uh, it is, uh, you've been on some journey. And it's nice to see you kind of locked in and. I think it seems like it's going to be all good things from Who this know? point. Who knows? I don't think it go so far, but you know, I think you're you're definitely ahead, further than me on the on the journey. So it's guys like you, you know, books, TV shows, um, that's done a bunch of things that I have to like. It it allows us to see like it's so much more that could be done where you ain't got to be in the Ramada on Friday <laughs> all the time. You know, especially yeah. like. Me having a kid and working with like Chappelle definitely changed my outlook on how, mm-hmm. um, you know, I should do this thing. Yeah. Because if I have a kid and it's become 10 years old, I'm gonna, I want to go to a game. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You know, so. Yeah. I want to go to the to the art, fly to the, to see my child perform art. Yeah. Instead of being, you know, doing a spot. Yeah. No, I know. You know, it's balance. It's all balance. <laughs> We fought so hard to get a spot. Ain't this crazy moving for a spot? I know. Like, but truth be told, then you like you squeeze it in. Then you go see you're on your way to doing a spot. It's like it's a balance. Yeah. But uh really, all good things. Thanks for being here. Thank you. We got it, Aaron. There you have it, kids. There's Byron Bowers. I told you he was a good guy. Very funny. Go check out the special spiritual N-word streaming on HBO Max right now and look for him doing live dates he is a a really good comedian and you should go check him out go to tompapa.com look up all of the good stuff we've got the new netflix special coming out on the 13th and we've got the live coming to papa at the village underground on the 13th in new york city and then the whole 2023 tour up on sale now thank you so much for listening go eat some good stuff and we'll see you soon 